Let me start by saying this. If you're a visitor, we hope that you um, have come today and that you experience Jesus, period, end of story. What I'm getting ready to talk to our church about, giving, money, is one of the ways we believe that that happens. And so if you have wounds or you've had a bad experience in a church that just is kind of hammering and hammering and hammering, or you felt hammered and burdened your whole life um, with the issue of giving, that's empty, then uh, our hope is that, that, is that that's not how you would feel. That was kind of open. It was full, like a little too full, so that means someone's going to backwash in it. But anyway, is that... Our hope is that you would not leave here thinking River City Church is like all the other churches. You know, that all, all they talk about is money. Because that's not true about us. It's just not. We're different that way. I would even say this. I've been told in the last year, specifically in the last year, Antley, I'm a little hot. I mean, not this way, this way. Turn me down a little bit because I'll get excited. There we go. Is people have told me in the last year, Antley, we have grown you need to start giving us some more meat to chew on when it comes to giving. You've been too gentle. You've erred on the side of being too graceful, too much putting the ball in their court saying, just give what you want to give. We don't want to burden you. We don't want you to feel wounded in this area. I've had lots of people come and tell me that. Antley, you need to teach more on what the Bible teaches, more specifically about giving and the importance of giving, and that when you choose not to give, that people are being disobedient, and that there are consequences for disobedience for people who follow Jesus. That's the kind of language that I've received. So if you're a visitor, just know, my hope, my desire is in no way that you would feel like, gosh, another church, all they talk about is money. It's really not. That's not all that we talk about. What we are excited about at River State Church more than anything is talking about freedom and life to the full and how that happens in our life as Christians. In our life as Christians are people who follow Jesus. We believe that freedom comes by living like Jesus lived and by obeying his commands. We believe all of what Scripture says about what Jesus commands us to do. And we believe especially the things that Jesus said, like, if you love me, you will obey my commands. We believe that if we want to demonstrate and be who God created us to be, find life to the full, it will only come as we learn to live like Jesus and become obedient to the way that he lived. And we believe that that has been made possible by his death on a cross. That he has died to give us this freedom so that we no longer live by checks and balances deal. That there is a new freedom we have in Christ. That we don't have to live and do the things the way that they did in the Old Testament. That we have a new freedom in Christ. Unfortunately, some of us have taken that freedom and we've abused it. Especially in the area of giving. We decided that, well, I have this freedom now, so I'm just going to kind of live and give the way I want to. And to, today what I want to talk about is that that's not okay. Because we will never become the people that God created us to be or the church that God created us to be unless we're faithful in all the areas that Christ has called us to be obedient in, including giving. You mean, you're telling me that if I'm disobedient in the way that I give, that I will never fulfill 
and become who God created me to be? Yes, I'm saying that. You mean that because I'm a part of River City Church and when I choose to be a disobedient in this area, that the River City Church will never fulfill its call and purpose in Jacksonville and in the world? Yes, I'm saying that. You've heard me say that all the time when it comes to the other gifts, haven't you? When it comes to becoming healers and restorers and rescuers, when it comes to ministering to the poor and becoming evangelists, I've said, guys, it's time to get up and get going so that we can be who God created us to be become who God created us to be, individually and as a church. Giving is no different. You know, I love when God speaks to us through music, especially when Paul, you know, it's the first time that he, we sang this song, the whole song as a church, the center of it all. I, I kind of, you know, I got my copyright on that the first time, whenever I, I prophetically said that's going to be the next song, one of the next songs. And Paul's written, you know, he's followed me and Jesus into this. But um, he actually had, already had it done. But, um, but you know, what the bottom line is, is, is Jesus the center of it all for you? Do you really believe that? Do you live like and do you give like Jesus is the center of your life? When you rise and when things are good and when you fall and things are bad, in every area of your life, including finances, is Jesus, does he remain at the center? Or do you begin to grab on and hold on to and control your finances in a way that demonstrates, actually, I'm the center of it all when it comes to my money, Jesus. You can be a part of this, but when it comes to my money, I'm the center of it all. You know, like, gosh, that's really harsh language. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think it's that black and white. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I have all the answers or that I do this great. I'm just saying that either we believe that Jesus is the center of it all, and we live that way and we give that way when we rise and when we fall, or we don't. You know, it says, you know, the universe declares his glory. By the, the way that you give and the way that you live, you either declare the glory of God. That's almost dangerous, like TV evangelism right there. The glory of God. It's had like a deja vu, like, oh, no, Antley, you're turning into, okay, here we go. But the way that you give or the way that you live either declares, you're either part of the universe that's declaring God's glory or you're a part of the universe that's declaring your glory. But you can't love money and Jesus. I mean, uh uh-oh, don't start doing that because I'll get all kinds of excited. (laughs) That happened when I taught a city rescue mission and I almost didn't get off the stage. But, um, But that's, don't start. I already have enough, I have a difficult, uh, enough time following my notes. If you start doing amens and stuff, I'll just go all over the place. <laughs> but, but I think that that's the real issue. And if I asked any of us, hey, let's see a raise of hands. Don't do this. How many of you want to live in a way that you're part of, the, you're part of God's creation that is glorifying him? We all say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the creation that glorifies God. I want to be a part of the creation that is moving the kingdom of God forward. I want to be a part of the creation that's bringing restoration and healing and abundant life to others. Well, folks, giving is a part of that. You don't get to pick and choose the parts of the gospel you want to participate in or the, uh, the commands that you get to obey. There are consequences for being disobedient in any area of our life. Natural consequences... And spiritual consequences. And it's not a cause and effect. If I give this much, then God will do this. If I give Cadillac, God will give give me back Cadillac. You know what I mean? That's prosperity theology. We don't believe that. 
We believe, just like we do when we pray for healing, we're called to be obedient when we give it away. We pray for people. We pray for healing. What God does with the results and what God does with that, that's up to him. We, we're called to give to God his kingdom, his purpose. What God does with that, that's up to him. We're just called to be obedient in that way. And this is my fear. Is that if we don't fix this problem, and it is a problem in our church, I'm going to show you how. If we don't fix this problem, we are not going to become who God created us to be. Because giving is a part of our DNA. And how we give reflects who we are as a church. And at the town hall meeting a few months ago, I said, you know, what we're responsible for as a church is to become who God created us to be, and only who God created us to be. We can't compare ourselves to other churches and try to duplicate or replicate or be like them. We are responsible for becoming who God made River City Church to be. And so as God pulls us together, you're a part of that story. And right now, the way that we are giving does not support who God has called us to be. And so here's the problem. If we grow more people and we don't change this about our DNA, we will grow the problem into our church at even a greater level. Because as we grow numerically, as we move locations, and financially our needs grow, if we don't fix this part of our DNA, the problem will only get worse. Because we'll just have more people. We'll have more people that are not giving as they should be. We'll have more people that don't understand what Scripture teaches about giving. And people will feel fear when it comes to giving. People will feel like they can't let go of control when it comes to giving. There's strings attached to our giving. And we have to deal with this issue. That's why we talk about it. Because ultimately, my responsibility as the church leader is to create freedom, opportunities for freedom, and people to risk in their life. And the way that I do that is by teaching you to trust Jesus. To trust and make him the center of it all. The center of everything in your life. If you believe that and you live like that, then you will naturally give like that. Okay? So we're all friends here. We're just going to walk through this together for the next few weeks. If you start feeling guilty, that's not because of me. That's because of the enemy. All right? He wants you to feel guilty about giving because God doesn't use guilt to motivate us. All right? If you're feeling conviction like, wow, I want to be better at this. I want to learn to do better at this. I'm not doing this well. I want to find freedom in this. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so let's move forward now. The scripture I want to read that I want to start off with is 2 Corinthians 9, 16 to 15. All right? And it says this. Remember this. Who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Here's the good news about today's talk. I'm not even going to use that scripture. Because it's like one that you've been like, the stew's been beaten out of you with. I know it. Okay, so I'm not even going to talk about that today. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. But I'm not going to talk about that either. All right, because that makes like the people who give a lot feel better and like prideful. So we're not going to go there either. Okay. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I'll be dealing with that. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, 
you will abound in every good work. God's grace is going to be abound, poured out, an extra measure. You're overflowing with God's grace so that as you find yourself in circumstances, you will be able to act the same way to other people, is what that scripture means. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. It's all about God. He will be made, he, you, you will be made rich in every way. We're going to talk about that. What does that mean? You'll be made rich in every way so that, why would God make you rich in every way? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As you're generous, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. How do you know if you're giving like you should be giving? Because people are glorifying God by the way that you're giving. This service that you perform is not only, is not only supply the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing, that's the same word as abound, and many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing. Because of the service you have proved yourself, men will praise God. Why will men praise God? Because of the verbal confession, what you say you believe, of the gospel of Christ. I believe in Jesus. That's not enough. Even the demons believe in Jesus, and they're going to hell. You don't want to be with that group, right? Nope. Okay. Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. Sharing with them in the body and with people outside of the body. People will praise God, glorify God, give thanks to God because of what you say also because of how you give. That's pretty powerful. I'm telling you. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of, the, uh, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Guess what I was talking about there? Jeebus, that's right. Homer would say, Jesus, because of God's incredible gift, all of this is possible. Because of what God has done in every circumstance, we can be crazy givers. We can be generous givers. We can be givers that don't even consider 10%, much less 2.5%, which is the national average of what evangelical born-again Christians give. We don't even have to use statistics like that. Because we've been given this phenomenal gift. And Jesus Christ, this gift in Christ, as we place him in the center of our life, we have nothing to fear. We don't have to hold on to anything. The promises of God is that if he clothes the field, you know, the lilies of the field, if he provides for the birds, who provide for me? What, how much freedom do we have there? A lot. And so we see this parallel of God's desire to pour out his grace, abounding grace. And again, the Greek word here is like, this overflowing, more than you can imagine, more than you can do anything with, grace. It's just flowing out of you. And because of that, when you begin to walk around in his world, furthering his kingdom, 
that grace spills over into how you give your life away to people. That grace flows over into how you financially give to people, how you give your time to people, how you sacrifice to people, because there's just so much of it. It's just like, there's just so much. i got to do something with it. But a lot of us don't. It's like we're fat on grace. You know, we're like barely moving around and moving his kingdom forward. You may be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. This, again, it speaks right along that, that idea of grace abounding in us, is that rich in every way. And every, that word right there, every, is like the word shalom almost, which means wholeness. That God is going to make you rich in every way of your life, in your family, in your finances, in your emotional health, in your spiritual health. And your, and your spiritual, every area, God's going to make you rich. He has the resources. He's the man. He's the guy. He knows what you need. And he's going to make you rich in every way. There's going to be a wholeness that he's going to create in your life. So out of that wholeness, you'll be able to give abundantly to other people. And you'll never be lacking. Because that wholeness, again, it talks about being complete. And so many of us, we're afraid to give more because of what will happen and the way that we live, it's like almost like we'll give too much to God. Oh, has anyone ever had, has anybody ever given too much to God? Just raise your hand now. Would that be a bad thing? Can we give too much to God? I don't think we can. I know that I've never given too much to God. That would be a great problem to have in life. I, you get to heaven, you're like, Jesus is like, dude, you gave too much, bro. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because the promises of God is that he's made us complete and whole. It's like we can't give away too much. The more we give away, the more we're filled up. The more we're blessed. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? That as we obey the teachings of Christ and are obedient in the teachings of Christ, do we believe that God will show up and make up the difference? Either we do or we don't. But if we say that we do, then we should be generous givers. Not just with our time. Not just with our resources. But with our money, with, our, with, with everything. The Bible says that each man should give what he has decided in his own heart to give. People love this verse. This is the number one verse used to justify not giving. Oh, I just kind of pray and the Spirit leads me to give zero. <laughs> really? That's so interesting because it contradicts scripture. Yeah, 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 I know there's a 10% thing, but I'm more, I think it's .010. That's what I, those are the numbers that I keep coming to my mind that I'm supposed to give. That's not the Holy Spirit. I'll just tell you that now, okay? So I am free. I'm free to give as much or as little as I choose. Even not at all. The apostle, I'm going to read something, I, I'm going to read this quote that I read on this verse because it says it very clearly. Why you're, the apostle Paul said, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Looking at only this verse, one might think that Paul says each person is at liberty to decide whether to give anything at all. But reading 6 through 15, which we just read, of this chapter tells a very different story. Paul's point is that he wants Christians to feel free, creative, 
and excited to give far beyond the 10% benchmark. The Apostle Paul is reminding people that because Jesus has been given to us, the tithe laws of the Old Testament have been replaced by the freedom to excel in Christ-modeled generosity. You know, when we look at Christ, what we see more than anything is a life that was given away in every way. He gave and he gave and he gave to the point of death. The point of death, he gave. You know, God doesn't ask us to give that way. Or at least I haven't. I mean, he does and he doesn't. But he knows that unless we desire to give our life away in every way, we will fall short of becoming who we've been created to be. He knows that. And in 1 Timothy, and the enemy knows that too. And the enemy wants us to believe the lie that it's up to you. You can give whatever you want to give. You don't have to give to the point that it hurts. You don't have to give to the point that you have to sacrifice. You're free. You're at liberty. You have to provide for your kids. You need to be able to go to eat out a bunch of times. You need to be able to, you deserve that. You're entitled to this kind of car. You're entitled to that kind of schooling. You're entitled to have those clothes. You're entitled to buy $5 Starbucks every day. The enemy wants you to believe that, that, that this is optional. That this is optional. And we read this in 1 Timothy. And there's a warning to us. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap, and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a, is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I put gifts. Because that's the way we do it. We have been pierced with many gifts that we have spent our money on so that we are more comfortable, we are more in control, and we have to trust God less. You might be thinking, Antley, is this really a problem? I think you're exaggerating a little here. Is this really that big of an issue? Well, it is. Here's some slides that I found from a website that we have on our website. And the first, it's from Generous Giving. The first one says, these are just a few quotes. Giving is maturity. When asked how they measure the spiritual commitment of their congregants, people, only one out of 10 pastors mentioned financial giving as an indicator of spiritual maturity and commitment. Keep going. The two groups in the United States that give the highest percentages of their income are the poor, those making less than $20,000 a year, and the rich, those making more than $100,000 per year. Middle-class Americans, those making between $40,000 and $100,000 a year, are the smallest percentage giving. Givers. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, 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 think about that. That's not good because that's the bulk of River City Church. And that's why our DNA is jacked up. Right there. And that's the group that I'm really speaking to today, myself included. The largest group in our church gives the least percentage. Are you sure, Antley? I'm going to show you in a minute what the giving at RCC. Keep going. 
Few support the church. Only one-third to one-half of U.S. church members financially support their church. That can't be true at River City. It is. Keep going. Pets. In 2007, it's estimated that Americans will spend over $40 billion on their pets. I saw that quote and had to put it in there. <laughs> Keep going. Donating. Over-tithing. We're good at this at River City, too. We love to donate but not tithe. Okay? Because tithing demonstrates a commitment to something we have to fulfill. It's, it's like a, a pledge of something we think God's going to do. It's, it involves risk. Donating every week, emptying our pockets is just, oh, I'm just going to give what I got. Can I give God the leftovers? That talk's on the web. We have eight talks on giving on the web you can go watch or read or listen to. Overall, only 3 to 5% of those who donate money to the church tithe give 10% of their incomes. Only 3 to 5% of the church. Okay? Keep going. Then and now, this is crazy. But giving by North American churchgoers was higher during the Great Depression, 3.3% of per capita income in 1933, than it was after a half a century of unprecedented prosperity, 2.5%. Giving in our country was more in the Great Depression. More people were giving in the Great Depression. That's redonkulous, folks. Are you kidding me? Income has increased tenfold, and we give less. Craziness, okay. What's, is that the last one? Sunday offerings. The average amount of money given by a full or confirmed member of the United States Christian Church in 2004 was $691 for the year. This comes to an average of $13.31 a week. We're going to deal directly with that. Incomes giving up and down. Incomes have gone up 9 to 10 times in the last 20 years while giving has gone down about 50%. I don't know. Is it a problem? It's, 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 it's a problem. It's a big problem. Not only for us, but for every church. But I don't want to be like every church. Remember, we're not supposed to be like every church. I'm not going to compare ourselves to every church. I'm just confirming that it's a problem. It's an issue that we need to deal with. I don't want God to grow us any larger, any more, until we deal with this issue. Because... I probably like lose all my hair and I might kill somebody or something because it's like super stressful. How are we gonna get a building of fifty thousand square feet on ten cents if people are giving nothing? That's my life, folks. So I'm beginning to pray that God wouldn't grow us anymore until this part of our DNA is fixed. It needs to get fixed. We fall into temptation, a trap, and to many foolish, harmful desires. What about River City Church? Well, here's some slides that we showed at the town hall meeting. Brace yourselves. This is not going to make you happy that you go to River City Church. This is just the facts, all right? It's just the facts of where we are and what we want to change. Nope. Go, go to 2009. Back up. There we, there we go. Giving summary. This is it. If you, if you saw that. Okay. We have 600 adults, basically. 398 married, 202 single. Keep going. Oh, they got married, so now we have an easy 400 and 200. And actually, since then, Kevin and Melissa have been married, so it's even 402 to 198, okay? Keep going. So we have 200 singles, 200 families, and this is the guesstimate, 400 potential giving units, just potential. That's just, this is a guess, all right? Actual, though, last year we had 340 people, giving people in the church that gave, 340. All right, keep going. Okay. 2009 budget was $1.1 million, which is awesome. We made it. 
340 giving units means that the average is $3,200, all right? Keep going. So here's how the reality of our church and how people give. 53 people gave above $5,500. 70 people gave in the range of $3,200 between $1,000 and $5,500. 110 people gave less than $1,000 between $1,100. And then 110 people gave less than $100 for the year. Okay, keep going. So here's the distribution. About a third gave 1000 or more. A third gave 100 to 1000 And a third gave less than 1000 Less than 100 Okay. I think you went backwards. There we go. So here's the shocker. I'm going to let that sink in. Just read it. Just look at it. So 53 people in our church gave $900,000. All the other givers gave 200000 You might think, well, Antley, that's just kind of the natural. You know, that's what statisticians say. It's the 80-20 rule. I think that's crap. The 80-20 rule. Do we really want to live by that standard in our church? Is that the standard we want to live? Well, 80% give 20%. That's the way it's going to be. And 20% give 80%. That's the way it's going to be. No. That's a cop-out. That sells you short. That allows you to not become who God created you to be. To not have the freedom that you created to have. Keep going. So here we go. 50, 15% of the people in our church gave 82% of the money. And 85% of the people gave 18%. Keep going. This is what we need to move towards. Okay? Keep going. No, that's what we did. This is what we want to move towards right here. We need a lot more people giving $1,000 or more to the church. Keep going. That's how many people have pledged in 2010. Dude, we suck at giving. I'm just saying. That is not good. In 2010, we've been growing like wildfire. We moved buildings. We have like clean space for our kids. People are flooding in. And 80 people have pledged this year. That is crazy. Now, the good news is we're on track with our giving because you like to donate but not tithe. So it's like you're like little like covert ninja givers, okay? <laughs> Which is like super stressful for me because I don't know if any money's going to come in this week. Like I'm clueless. And you're like the ninja givers. Like I'm just going to slide this in there without anyone knowing it. Well, I mean, that's fine. And Nandy, we love that you give that way. But it doesn't require any risk at all, does it? It doesn't. So here's in 2010. Now that, go that one slide that you should first. Okay, we are at 309000 That's how much has come in this year. That's right on track for a $1.2 million budget, okay? Six major contributors, 3% of the givers have given 124000 of those dollars, though. So that's jacked up and skewed, isn't it? That's like every other church, Antley. We're not like every other church. The other total given by six, okay, 40% given by 3%. Okay, so total given by remaining 204 people, it's 185000 it's just, we're out of whack, folks. We're out of balance. We're not as things should be. All right, I don't know what you give. I don't know who and where you fit in those categories and all those things. But I'm here to say that if we're going to be who God created us to be, if we want the freedom, if we say we want the freedom, if Jesus is going to be the center of it all, you're never gonna, they're never going to listen to that song, dude. They're just going to remind them of this talk. They're like, I didn't listen to that center. I didn't listen to nothing. All right. I know. It's going to be the next message mix. All right, anyway. <laughs> unpopular message mix. The sinner, sinner of it all, all, all. Skip. All right, so 
So here's some sacrifices, practical sacrifices we can make. All right? I sent a text out to a bunch of women in our church. How much does hair coloring cost and how often do you do it? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right? I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen if we walked around with jacked up half-colored hair for a year? What if we did it for a year? Like, what's it worth to you? Like, people, it'd be a great, it'd be a great entryway. Like, ooh, you go to River City Church, don't you? <laughs> so here's the deal with hair coloring. The average cost, it's really more than this, but I was, I'm being a little generous, all right, in my estimates. $75 to get a hair coloring. It's really about 100 but I put 75 I put 75 It's really like 100 120 140 is what the, I got the feedback. And it's, it's really about, I put, you know, every two months, but it's really six weeks, if we're honest, if people are really honest, all right? But I, I, did, I did six times a year at $75. It's 450 bucks, and I'm just going to guess there's 100 women in the church that get their hair colored. So if we do that math, that equals $45,000 you could give to the church if you walked around with jacked up hair for a year. <laughs> One year. Or you could just get it colored naturally, and then you'll be done for the year, and just like see how things roll, and just see if you really want to keep doing that. Or you can come to the office, and we'll do it for you. Okay, here's another one. It's going to get hit close to home. Starbucks. My friend calls it four bucks. And so that's the number. That's the number I use because there's a lot more expensive and a lot less. About 250 was what that tea cost this morning. I'm going to clear a diet today because I have a colonoscopy tomorrow. I just want to share that. You can be praying. You can be praying about that. I heard they knock you out. If they don't, I'll be running out of there with a tail. What? Okay, I just said that. That's definitely not going to be the message mix. Okay, Starbucks. So, we'll say, well, I'll only do 50 weeks. It's an even number. $4, 4 bucks times 50 equals $200. Times, let's say 250 people in the church drink Starbucks. It's probably more. Equals $50,000 a year. If we just didn't drink one of our Starbucks a week. Just one of them. So if you have three, just drink two. If you just gave up the one. 50000 give that money to the church. $50,000 a year, okay? Movies. Holy shnikes. Average cost is $9 a ticket, I found out. Six bucks on snacks, $15. You go to one movie a month, let's say. 12 months equals 180 bucks times 250 people at River City Church, $45,000. If you just said, I'm going Netflix for this year, I'm just not going to go to the movies, I'm going to go watch them at home. Or maybe you just go to one a month instead of two, if that's what you do. Okay, now here's the kicker. Eating out. Ooh. <laughs> yep, listen to this, listen to this. Average young person, 16, 16 to, um, to like 27, 16 to 27, eats out 24 times a month. 24 times a month. Don't be getting all like righteous, because here's the rest of you, all right? Generation Xers, 28 to 39, which is a huge chunk of our church, 21 times a month. Baby boomers, 40 to 58, makes an average 19 times a month. And then our SOBs, 
16 times a month. Still a lot. 16 times a month. And so I, this is the math I used. Average about 10 bucks a meal, okay? Because you go, you spend a lot more, spend a lot less. 10 times, so let's just say you cut that in half. So we did, 20 is the average. I added up all those, did the average was 10, okay? Multiply it by 10. That's $10, 10 times a month, okay? And that equals $100. We multiply it times 12 months, $1,200. Let's say 250 people again, just not everyone, 250 people. $300,000 that we spend on eating out that we could get away from. We're not entitled to eat out. It's funny, one of the things, quotes that I read, you can find all kinds of stuff. The, the younger generation, kind of people below the age of like 30, one of the ways that we reward ourselves in this culture now is by eating out. I'm entitled to this. I deserve this. I work hard. I should get this. I should have this. Well, at the expense of loving Jesus, go ahead, you know. Okay, that was a little guilt. I didn't mean to use that. All right. Average family spends 3.8% on clothing a year. 3.8%. Average for the tithe is 2.5. That means we spend more on what we look like and wear than we do on Jesus. That's just a a, a statistic. Christmas. What is the average amount of little boy wrote this? What's the average amount of money spent on an 11-year-old boy at Christmas, on Christmas presents? I'm just wondering. Then it says additional details. It says, he goes on to say this. I was just wondering because my sister is 11 and she's sort of like a boy. And then he goes on to say, by the way, I'm not 30 years old or whatever, like as if he was a predator. But anyway, (laughs) average family spends $1,000 a year on Christmas presents. So if you add all those figures up, it's $565,000 minus the Christmas and clothing. Oh, the clothing's in there. $565,000, half a million dollars. We could do a lot of damage with half a million dollars, couldn't we, as a church? I mean, because odds are we're going to reach our budget. You know, we did 1.1 million last year. We've grown. We'll do 1.2. I don't want to just get by, though. I don't want to just be a, get by church. I don't want to be a church that's 80, 20, or 28. I don't want to do that. I don't think any of us want to settle for that. That's why we've either left the churches we've, in, we've been in or we're coming to church again because we believe church is relevant. There's a reality here. The kingdom of God is breaking through. We want our kids to further the kingdom, the reign of Christ, more than our own kingdom. I mean, if we believe that, then we need to start living and giving that way. We have to. Either Jesus is the center of it all or he's not. Period. End of story. And you might not think it's a big deal, but it is, folks. It is a big deal. It's a massive deal. We're being held back. I mean, we have opportunity right now to do things that we've never had before because we have people that are maturing in their faith and ready to roll and ready to go for it. I absolutely think that your maturity as a Christian is directly related to your giving. And I hate to say it like that, but that is what Scripture teaches. And if you are not giving, if you are not seeking to be a generous person, then you're being disobedient. And I don't want you to give because you're, oh, I'm just going to be obedient, I'm going to check out this. I want you to find freedom. Christ wants you to find freedom. He wants you to have life to the full. And the way that happens is by being obedient to his commands. This is the service, this is verse 12, that you perform not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overwhelming in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel 
of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. More than anything else, I want people to know about me. If I, when I die, when I think about, I want people, I want people to think that he was about, Antley was about furthering the kingdom of God. I want my kids to think about, my dad was about furthering the kingdom of God. He did it by the way that he, what he talked about. He did it by the way that he lived, and he did it by the way that he gave. He was always giving, he was always giving things away and just screwing up our Christmases his whole life. He's always giving things away, and we're buying our bikes at the thrift store. We've done that. He's always giving things. I mean, I want to be that person. I want to be a giver, a generous giver. I mean, there's so much excitement and fun when we choose that path as opposed to holding on, trying to control. Jesus is the one who's made this possible. He's the one who's filled us up with his grace so that we can give and give generously. And I don't know where you are today, where you've come from, the experiences you've had. But to be a part of River City Church, this has to change. We're going to change this. God is calling us to change this. And this, as much as anything, is going to be a determining factor of whether you're going to choose to be a part of our family. Because God has things planned for us that, that it's going to require all of us to participate in. We are beyond the days of being an infant church where 15% of the people can give 900000 of a $1.1 million budget. We're past that day. God's calling us to a new level of faith and demonstration of that faith as a church. And this next level is an important one for us to step up to if we want to be the church that God's called us to be. There's people in the congregation, there's people sitting out right now aching to begin new ministries that can't start because we don't have the funds for it. People lost, people broken, people who need to be rescued, who aren't, because we are not giving the way that God's called us to give. We need to find freedom in this area. We're going to find freedom in this area as a church. It's going to be fun. We're going to walk around jacked up hair, eyeglasses with a lens missing. You know, I just know it's going to be a fun year. Let's stand.